1: ny or text hope ny in new york
0: to see the hang-ups we have today Ooh. we need to
1: Welcome into episode 150 of the Source to Say Podcast. Your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network, the Source to Say Podcast, is presented by our good friends at Justice Dental. You can make an appointment at one of two Lexington locations that's on Wellington Way and Blazer Parkway. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Remember that regular dental appointments are important for your overall health. You can learn more and make an appointment at JusticeDental.com. Dr. Justice and Dr. Thompson look forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. Very happy to be joined. Once again it's been a minute but as promised better late than never Zach Gagan of Kentucky Sports Radio here to break down all the latest in the Kentucky basketball recruiting world. We uh, uh, made a, a phenomenal trip up to Springfield, Massachusetts to uh, tune into the hoop hall classic watched a ton of awesome basketball and then uh, Kentucky basketball the current team decided to be really damn good and uh, they're now a contender for the national title so these shows have been almost primarily dedicated entirely to the season pregame postgame shows kind of breakdown how things are going with that and um, uh, recruiting has not really been a focal point over the last couple of weeks, to be totally honest. Everybody's cared about the uh, current season, so uh, we've we've presented what the fans have been wanting uh, in the past. But now, Zach, we got some news. A lot of quite significant mm-hmm. news, and we're going to break it all down. But before that, Zach, how the heck are you? I'm
2: fantastic. You know, your little spiel there actually just reminded me that we were supposed to do this back for the hoop, right after hoop haul. And I guess uh, Kentucky just kept winning basketball games and kind of threw that off course. So better late than never, as they say. And I'm I'm glad that uh, well, this actually kind of works out with the shady sharp
1: news, anyways. So yeah. here we are. They decided to win, uh, beat the ever-loving tar out of uh, Tennessee while we were up there, and kind of that yeah. was the game that kind of that started transitioning people into going, oh, okay, I think we got a title contending team here. So. Maybe the focus should be on that here for the uh, the, the time being. So, it you sucks. Know, I, I wanted to hear your beautiful voice, uh, and we just haven't gotten around to doing it yet. Thank you. Have you noticed that all the home games we go to are never good? Yeah. It's always it's always
2: Tuesday night,
1: 9 p.m. duds.
2: Yeah. And, and we, of course, missed the one Tennessee game. So, actually, we did go to the Mississippi State game. I guess that was overtime, but I don't know if you would classify that as a good game. Yeah. Nah, but. Well, but –
1: plenty of season left to go eight games and then LSU back-to-back coming up at home yeah we, we got some good stuff rolling but uh unfortunately that's been clouded just just a hair this morning slash afternoon it is uh a bright and beautiful morning and uh news of Shaden Sharp has officially come out and it's not the news that fans I think have been desperately wanting John Calipari first credit to Mike Pratt because he Said on his radio show this morning that he heard through the grapevine that John Calipari was going to announce that Shaden Sharp would not suit up this season. He ends up being right. Cal puts out a statement like 30 minutes later and says that Shaden Sharp, the exact quote, I will pull that up right now. He says, after talking with Shaden and his parents, we want to end all of the speculation by, again, saying that he will not play for us this season. He is committed to bettering himself and our team in practice this year and being better prepared to lead us next season. Emphasis on next season. Very uh, crucial part of that. But I do want to nitpick a little bit, Zach, because him saying, um, you know, as has always been the plan and kind of saying, oh, well, I don't know why there's such shock here. Coach Cal has uh, time and time again brought up the possibility of Shaden playing this year. Been very clear that that's been a uh, realistic thing. I think I, I wrote in ex- his exact quote. He said, if he's ready to be in the games, I'll put him in on January 21st. So my how the uh, uh, tables have turned since then. But uh, he says that he's not going to play. Jay Lucas says shortly afterward. Um, this was kind of always the plan. him to take this year to just practice and develop his body, get ready for next year. But when you get here, get around a team, you kind of get excited and you want to play in the games. you see the fans and stuff like that. I think that became a part of it. But this was always the plan. Zach, are you buying what Kentucky is selling currently? Never.
2: <laughs> Al could have said this. he could have said this two weeks ago. He could have said this before not the vanderbilt game what was the home game before that where people thought he might play um mississippi state mississippi state game yeah he could have said it that monday before they even played like and obviously you know all his and he was driving up the you know the speculation as well you know saying go watch Shaden beforehand like it's not like like this was totally a pr move from the very beginning so you know, whatever they're putting out, I'm not necessarily buying it anymore. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about whether or not we think he plays next year, but I don't know if I can believe anything about this kid that is being put out
1: by, you know, anyone within UK. So to his camp's credit, I talked to his mentor, coach, guy who calls a lot of these big shots in, in his camp, in his camp, Dwayne Washington. I talked to him from the start. I talked to him the day that it got announced that Shaden was going to be a mid-year enrollee, and he told me back then, he ain't playing this year. This has never been a goal. We do not want him to play. We don't want to mess up the chemistry that's already going on. Um, and I do. I will mention that Jay Lucas did say today that uh, it just started to get a lot of noise and stuff. So he was just ready to, Shaden and his family were ready to move forward and uh, just get ready to focus on the next step. So I do wonder if the noise aspect of it, the we want Shaden Chance, kind of maybe uh, clouding the current team and the chemistry and all that stuff going on. That was a, a clear concern from day one from Shaden's camp. I've talked to him four separate times throughout the season, and uh, each little news tidbit that came out that is he going to play, uh, the uh, is he eligible for the draft, nothing has changed from his tune from start to finish. And I will give him credit; he has always said the goal was never for him to play. He's coming back next year. Um, I even asked him point blank, is he going to, uh, enter his name in the draft to even test the waters? And he said, of course not. He, he why would he test the waters? We know what he is. Uh, and then he added that, um, said that if he does test the waters and the, uh, teams get a hold of him, uh, workouts with him and get to watch him in person, they said he's going to be a number one pick. So, Uh, that's not going to be something that we even entertain because we come, we came here to be a Kentucky wildcat and to play for the, the wildcats in 2022, 2023. So Zach, that's what, that's what they're selling. That's the narrative out there. Me personally, I I'm kind of indifferent on it. I'm kind of going, I've gone back and forth on it a hundred times. Part of me wants to think they have such a tight relationship with Shea Gildas Alexander and how that whole, situation unfolded they have a very very close uh relationship and I don't know if they are willing to burn that bridge uh necessarily so part of me wants to believe Shaden's I'm not buying what Cal's selling and and all the he's this has been the plan the whole time but I do question I I I do tend to believe Shaden's camp and his family because they have been adamant from day one that this was never the goal that this was always to get a, a head start on next season um I, I just I go back and forth on it Zach it's it's a very tough situation and I understand why there's uh, such frustration and concern uh, within the fan base
2: well it just seems like you
1: know
2: someone's someone's being lied to it's either you know Cal's being lied to by Shaden's camp The fans are being lied to by cat, like someone's being lied to along the line here. And, you know, if the goal from the, the jump was for Shaden to never play, why even go through these whole, you know, teasing him as a potential, like, I mean, I guess if you were trying to like bump up the theater, but the team's already really good and playing really well. So I don't understand the idea behind doing that. And now you've opened this whole can of worms. If, well, man, if he doesn't even play next year, then it's just like, well, someone got roped along here. And uh, at that point, it would look like it would be Kentucky. So, I don't know. I don't really know what to think either. I don't know. You know, I don't believe Cal at this point uh, for what he has to say, but
1: yeah, I I do think you bring up a good point there uh, with maybe Cal's the one being lied to, maybe Kentucky is the one being played this whole time. And if that's the case, I think criticisms absolutely justified. I I think, the the concern and the uh, frustrations that that Kentucky fans have clearly shown uh since then I I think it's justified I understand why uh, fans would think that they were taken advantage of or how they built up this hype and and you know I mean it screws over Kentucky in recruiting for the class of 2022 that is a 15 to 20 point per game scorer that Kentucky had penciled in no written in pen this was not penciled in he was signed for next season uh and to have that kind of ripped out from under you i mean i i understand that 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 really throws a wrench into john calipari's recruiting for next season you it, it ain't easy to replace 15 to 20 points per game especially for considering the rest of that recruiting class sky clark's not going to be a 15 20 point per game score case wallace isn't known for being a, a high profile score uh chris livingston's not known as being that type of guy Shaden was the scoring threat of that group. Every, everybody else kind of complimented what Shaden brought to the table. So when you take away that complimentary piece, what do you do, Zach? Like, what, what do you do if you're John Calipari and, and should UK end up having Shaden be a zero and done at, at Kentucky? Where do you go? And that's where we're going to transition next. Um, We're going to still kind of talk a a little bit about Shaden, but really kind of transition into the recruiting side of things. What comes next? Um, Throw out, let's let's just kind of get things started. Throw out a couple of of potential scenarios for Kentucky. uh, If if Shaden does ultimately decide to... um, go on his his merry way and, and go pro what what do you think could unfold uh if that scenario uh does present itself
2: you're just talking like potential backcourt options for next year's team yeah in
1: 2022 uh you know if it's a high school recruit or if Cal would go toward the the portal option what what do you think uh Cal would decide to do at that point
2: well i, I mean he's like we just rattled off the other three you know, commits they've got coming in. And like you said, none of them are real. I mean, and Wallace might be able to be a guy that can get that much points, but like Shaden's a guy that you know is. So obviously there's going to be that hole there. And the portal, you know, kind of comes in timely here as well, where it's not necessarily as big a deal because I'm sure, you know, like Cal did with his past year, he can go probably go out and find somebody that can get those type of points. But, you know, then you start looking ahead to, you know, could a guy reclass or something like that? You know, like Mookie Cook is a guy who I'm sure we'll talk about, who uh, we got to kind of learn his story extensively while we're in Hoop Paul and kind of where he's at in his recruitment. So that's a potential guy you could throw in there who would probably maybe, you know, not as uh, you know, to the level of shade and sharp, but pretty you know close to it in terms of what he'd be able to put up in, in uh, you know, points wise. So I think the portal will be the biggest uh, play for them. And, you know, how good is Sky Clark going to be too? You've got to, you know, keep that in, uh, in your head as well. Obviously, the injury is, you know, affecting him, and it'll take some time to come back. But
1: he has he has looked quite solid the last couple, the last week or two. I will admit it was a slow start coming back from injury, but which has, is expected. He has looked quite good, especially offensively. So keep that in mind. Uh, I was a little concerned, you know, how long it would take for him to kind of round back into form, but he has looked. Uh,
2: but, it, but it, is a, it is a small class together which is those three. Um, but then you've also got the situation where, you know, Savir said he wants to be a one and done here, but he's not on any draft boards. So if that's ultimately the goal, you know, uh, he's a guy that could potentially return as well. And then, you know, he's not going to put up your 20 points a game, but you, you've still got that point guard that Calipari needs even if Shaden Sharp wouldn't have been the you know de facto point guard so I think there's a few different options honestly they could go to and there's also the chance that Shaden still just plays and you know then all the questions are answered
1: and I will I will note a couple couple different things with that uh, I I think I mentioned this it was so late after the the post game show uh after this last game but I think I mentioned I know I mentioned it a little bit on the Sunday morning radio show that I host from nine to AM to noon. Um, tune into that 630 WLAP if, if you okay. do to do that. Uh, but I have heard recently that uh, Savi Wheeler returning is quite on the table, um, that he is making quite a bit with NIL. And that was something that I don't think he accounted for when he first signed with Kentucky. Obviously, NIL was something that presented itself uh, a little bit later, after he ended up announcing his transfer, I think he's money, baby. I think he's doing quite okay on that front, and it has uh, let me just say opened the door for a potential return for him next year. Something that Zach, you and I have talked plenty of times. I did not see as a a possibility. Um, I I talked to him. I talked to people around the program, talked to people close to him. Uh, the plane was always to be a one and done. He was ready to get his pro career started after one year. He wanted one final uh, trampoline jump uh, somewhere that would allow him to, uh, to, to make that leap into the pros. And I do think that the NIL aspect has definitely played a part into this. And I do think it's not a done deal, but I do think that we can start slowly considering that possibility where he's not just a dude like Isaiah Briscoe or uh, Ashton Hagens that said, screw it. I'm going pro no matter what. I do think that this has presented something for him to think about. And I do think that uh, he's quite serious about that possibility. So we could con- consider that as well as a potential uh, option. Xavier at the one case at the two or sky at the two, however you want to do it. Chris Livingston sliding back over to the three, his the position that he would prefer to play, I would prefer him to play small ball four and maximize his mismatch possibility as a, you know, kind of that strength and, uh, you know, physicality, uh, athletic type guy. But, you know, he could slide over there and then UK could add, you know, another dynamic piece at the four or, uh, you know, there it gets you a little bit more creativity if that possibility presents itself. Xavier coming back does make life a lot easier for John Calipari if that's the way it does unfold. Uh, I w- Jonah Oliver, I asked for uh, Uh, some questions on Twitter. We're going to go through a bunch of those, Um, but Jonah Oliver did pose the question, does UK regret not taking Nick Smith if Sharp leaves? That's a stinger, Zach, and I know that you're very high on uh, Nick Smith and his scoring ability. We fell in love with him. That first event we ever went to uh, last spring at that Made Hoops event, Nick Smith absolutely torched the competition. We had heard from multiple people that he was a a uh, Kentucky lock, if they wanted him. That if if Kentucky made a strong push, that he would have been here. And I, I continue to think that was the case. But man, how uh, how things could have unfolded if we if we had known from the start that Shaden was going to go pro after a year, and uh, Nick Smith being—I mean, he's jumped up to number, I think, top four in uh, rivals rankings, and I think ESPN has him that high now. But man, what a what a replacement that would have been if if things unfolded the way they they could have. Yeah, he definitely would have been your uh, Shane Sharp types, more of like a
2: Malik Monk type score, really, if you're, you know, really trying to make comparisons in terms of just buckets by buckets and, you know, ability to maybe get 40 points whenever. Uh, so, you know, hindsight that might, you know, be something that they look at down the road and Nick Smith has done an insane job. Like even when we were watching him, you know, he was very good, but I didn't see him being, you know, ending as a top five recruit by the time it was all said and done. So Arkansas is getting a stud with him. Um but the fact that, you know, the, the the incoming class has, you know, two guards and then one kind of like guard slash, you know, wing for whatever you want to call Chris Livingston. He's just a, he's a he plays all positions at this point. Uh, and then you've got the portal as well. So I I think missing out on Nick Smith wouldn't is not as big of a deal as it would have been, you know, maybe a few years ago where you're just kind of stuck if you don't have a guy like him. And then Shaden Sharp does leave. So just different circumstances. The portal is changing everything.
1: but. Nick Smith obviously would have been, you know, he'd be a, a good piece to fill in there. Yeah. And, uh, keep going down some of these questions. We're going to really, uh, dive into those. Cause you guys kind of gave us some, so, you know, through the alley-oop to us with, with a lot of these questions and, and kind of, uh, guide the, the storylines and narratives of, of where we're going to take this show. Uh, Matt Sack, on, on that note, will Livingston play the three or the four? Not what he should play, but do you know what he was recruited to play? He was recruited to play, uh, so it started out as, as him being a three. His camp was saying, no, he's a three. I don't know what you're talking about, but when Shaden was there, they brought up the idea he would not be playing like a four back-to-the-basket type dude. He would be a slasher. He'd be uh, playing on the on the wing, on the corner, You know, kind of uh, attacking the baseline, going up for alley-oops and, and things like that. Um, catch and shoot opportunities from the three at the corner. That's the role he would play. And, and Cal talked him into it and said, look, at Oak Hill, that's what you're playing right now. And we just got the chance to watch him at, at Hoop Hall. They run exactly what Cal runs. Like They run a dribble drive, and he is that small ball four in that system. So he's used to it. He's very good at it. And if that's the way that it unfolds, he's going to thrive in that possibility. Like in, in that situation, I'm very confident that uh, there will be no issues whatsoever uh, with with that whatsoever. So, yeah, I do think that that's going to be the role that he decides to uh, ultimately play if that that's ideal and if if Shaden leaves and maybe things change from there but um I do think that that's that's the goal right now. Um
2: Yeah. And he he has he has the body of like a Keon but he's so much he's just such a better dribbler that you know you can put him in much different situations you know where he can play the small ball four but he could you know he can you know slide out and and do more than you know what we see Keon try and dribble when he's doing that so i mean i think Chris Livingston's is a guy you could play at the 2 if you really wanted to but i don't think that'll ever happen it's just uh but it, overall he's got versatility where you can throw him on the uh, anywhere on the court but you're right in the fact that small ball four where he was you know running in that dribble drive offense you know that's he's already been working there so i would imagine that's kind of where they foresee him playing at least early on
1: yeah I uh I I definitely think that he is so versatile and that's kind of what what he you know he's a uh baby Braun is I mean he's from Akron he likes to consider himself like a, a mini version of LeBron that's what his his dream comparison is obviously he's not LeBron freaking James let's not go there but in in terms of play style and what he wants to do in terms of being bigger and stronger and more athletic and faster and and all those things, that's what he wants to be. That's his goal. Uh, and we see LeBron – I mean, shoot, LeBron has played the five at times for the Lakers. And, I mean, he, he's he's one of those type of dudes. He's 6'7", strong as an ox, more athletic than everybody else on the floor. That's the type of dude Chris Livingston is. Uh, so Cal can get creative with him. And, and even if if we're in an emergency situation with Sharp gone uh, – He's, his hands aren't tied. He's going to have some, some flexibility there With uh, w- with what he's going to do Alright Let's keep uh, Rolling through these A lot of questions That we got about Mookie Cook My guy Logan Greenwell Asked Mookie Cook Question um, mark There's a couple More specific questions LLTC5 uh, Decals Asked Do you see us ramping up with Mookie now with the possibility of Sharp leaving? And what would be your dream finish for the 23 class? A lot of dream classes, you know, questions like that. Um, Kyle Heine, uh, more likely to fill Sharp's spot next season uh, with a freshman or a transfer. Uh, Will uh, Downs Downs Van Zandt ask, will Cook replace Sharp when Shaden inevitably leaves? Uh, It goes pro before playing a game for Kentucky. I feel like that was kind of a – Slight shot at Shaden, uh, the in- inevitably part I don't think we need to go that far I still think there's a chance he doesn't But a lot of those type of questions And if I missed uh, a couple of those Just understand there were 35 of them in there about Mookie Cook So let's talk about Mookie Cook Because he's a guy we both watched at Hoopall Classic uh, First off, Zach, what do you like about Mookie Cook and his game? Because I know that we are both uh, essentially drooling over him And what we saw out of him uh, at Hoopal
2: Well, Mookie Cook is one of the 45 five-star wings that are out of the you know, 2023 class right now. And he honestly might be right now. He's probably the best out of all of them, or at least from what I remember seeing, he's just a guy that can kind of do everything. He's there's not really any part of his game that he has major holes in, you know, he's six, to 15, whatever he is, you know, he's built already. He can drive, he can score, he can play defense, he can jump, he's athletic. Uh, he's pretty quick as well. So He's an all around guy that, you know, is going to make immediate impact wherever he goes, like potential lottery pick, you know, one and done type guy. Uh, Pretty, you know, just on the surface, you can see he has all the tools and intangibles, if you will, if you want to go into scout speak uh, that, you know, in my eyes, build a a, a guy that can come in and do probably all the things that, like I said, all the things that Shaden can do, just maybe at a, a slight lower level.
1: A lot more uh, of a two-way threat than Shaden. Shaden is clearly the better three-level scorer, better shooter, more athletic type guy. But uh, Mookie Cook has his number defensively, and that's not even that's not even a slight. I mean, that's that's Mookie Cook is is a hell of a defender. Uh, I compare him to a more offensively well-rounded Keldon Johnson. I think he's a very at this stage that fiery competitor, a dude that's gonna. You know, I don't want to say slap the floor like a dookie, but he's a dude that he's gonna get up in your face, and he's a gnat. He's physical. Uh, he's an, an energizer bunny on both ends of the floor. Uh, a dude that when he dunks, he's gonna dunk on your face and then sh- scream in your face. And he's that type of of guy that you love uh, with, with with your program. And and I do think that there is a very real possibility. So there's a, a lot of different ways to go with this. And so let's kind of break this thing down with Mookie cook. So uh, as we both heard at the hoop Hall classic, we shared these conversations. Uh, there's a lot of reclass buzz with Mookie cook, that that's something that is a very real possibility. Um, I have heard that it is a Kentucky versus Oregon race. And I think if I'm being totally honest here, I think Oregon has a very slight lead right now because there's a lot of, re- of reclass buzz and leading up to this point, There was no spot for Mookie in the class of 2022 at Kentucky. So as much as he likes Kentucky, his camp loves Kentucky. He plays at compass prep where we had this, that long conversation with compass preps coach. Uh, That's where Ty Ty Washington came from. There is a clear connection between those two programs. They are uh, obsessed with what John Calipari is doing with Ty Ty Washington and the fit there. And there's, I don't want to say there's a pipeline there, but there could be one growing between those two programs. It's been a a perfect match made in heaven for both sides. So clearly when you have a top five guy in Mookie Cook ready to step in as that next man up, uh, potentially immediately after Ty Ty Washington is enticing. And that's something that uh, his his camp is definitely uh, explored and they're very high on, but Oregon is a threat. He's originally from that area. He's taking an official visit to campus this week. Zach and I have heard that this visit is absolutely monumental in his recruit in his recruitment and where things are going to go if he's going to reclass the timeline on how things unfold this visit is absolutely crucial. I was told Zach that they are going to throw everything at him that he wants they're gonna they're recruiting his friends they're they're you know promising the moon and stars they want him he is their dream recruit for the class of 2022 they they know that they have the upper hand if he ultimately decides to go 22 uh, and they're pushing for a reclass. they want him now they want him uh, right away they want him to be the focal point of that class right away um so Nightmare scenario for Kentucky fans is if if Shaden Sharp leaves, Mookie Cook reclasses and goes to Oregon in 22, because that also leaves a massive hole where Mookie was could potentially be, if he stays in 23, I think Kentucky has the easy uh, easy lead over Oregon in in that class. But there's a lot of buzz about him potentially jumping. Uh, it's a little bit of back and forth about it in, in, inside his camp, if they think he's ready to make the jump. Some people want him to be patient with his process. Others are like, dude, you're, you're dominating at this level. You don't need another year of high school. So there's a little bit of back and forth with that. But um, if you were going to ask for my personal gut right now, I do think he reclasses. And yeah, I do think that if Shaden Sharp uh, does decide to leave after one year and he doesn't play at Kentucky, I do think that he's an immediate uh, step in, guy for for Shaden. I think he could be that guy in 2022 uh, that that could fill that fill that role at that small ball, uh, or I guess just as at small fo- small forward. Because I think um, I think Chris Livingston would still stay at that small ball four role. So I, I think ideally you're starting four, and then the five position. I will talk about that here in a minute. Transfer portal options replacing Oscar, but it would be Savier, Case, and Wallace. Um, Mookie cook and Chris Livingston as your one through four, not bad. I think it's a pretty solid four, especially if you're replacing that. And then you never know if you want to add another four option in the portal or however that unfolds. So uh, a couple options there. Um, what, what's your kind of gut right now with Mookie? Do you think that, uh, th- that Kentucky could be able to, to steal him early, or do you think that he ultimately decides to wait? What's your gut on, on, uh, Mookie cook?
2: Well, based on, you know, just kind of what you were saying there, I think a lot of it can depend on, you know, what Shaden Sharp does. Uh, you know, if UK is really going to try and push this visit this weekend with Mookie, that doesn't necessarily make me feel great that they have an idea that maybe Shaden's going to come back. Um, and, you know, Mookie probably doesn't or would probably be more, I don't know, he would probably be more inclined to come to UK if Shaden wasn't there, I would guess, because then he can load up on those shots a little bit more. Um, You know, I don't know, you know, what level of competitor he is and if he would want to play against Shaden all the time, but I would assume that he would prefer to have the ball in his hands like that. So um, my gut, just from everything that we heard down there, is uh, I think, you know, him being from, uh, I think he's from Portland, right? Yes yeah so that being from that area and having all those oregon ties up there i definitely think is tough and uh you know we've seen with west coasters sometimes are difficult to get out here and stuff like that um so i would probably you know maybe lean a little bit oregon but if depending i think a lot of it depends on the sharp thing and you know maybe you know behind the scenes uk already has a better idea of what's going to happen with sharp and you know if he's actually going to be here or not so i think a lot of it just depends on that
1: yeah, I I do think if Kentucky if, if Kentucky is privy to that information for Shaden Sharp, if they have the gut feel that he's going to end up leaving, expect. Very quick movement with Mookie Cook because there is a, it's 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 an arms race between Kentucky and Oregon. That's just what it is. I mean, they, those two are battling back and forth. Oregon has the upper hand if it's 2022 right now, as things stand currently. But Kentucky, if they know that Shaden's gone, they have the connection with Ty Ty and the Compass Prep, Prep program. Uh, Mookie loves Kentucky. I mean, he loves John Calipari. That's why I think if he stays 23, I don't think it's even a a question that he stays uh, with Kentucky. But I do think that there is a push for him to go earlier and if that's the case there's the whatever can quickly get him to the the pros quickest is the route he's going to go and that's going to be with Oregon and I I know that they like I said they're recruiting basically telling him they'll give him the world and uh, recruiting his friend and saying whatever you want we'll make sure it happens and I think that's obviously a very enticing thing for a kid his age Um, I have heard that we're going to see a decision for mookie cook in terms of a reclass after geico geico nationals that will take place uh to, to close out march early april so you could expect you know a mid april late april type decision he's going to sit down with his family and decide what he wants to do and zach that ties in perfectly with the Shaden sharp decision i'm sure that's exactly when we'll, when we will hear uh a final answer on uh, if shaden goes pro or not so I think that's uh, that clearly plays into Kentucky's favor there where they will have the uh, the possibility if Shaden decides to leave them at the last hour uh that you do have a guy like Mookie who that who could be an immediate replacement option. So um that definitely makes me feel about the uh, better about the situation I don't know about. Uh, what you think about that?
2: Yeah, no, I I, I agree with you. I think uh,
1: you know, just
2: everything you said is it makes sense, you know. Uh everything kind of lines up there so um but I, I also don't think that it's the end all be all, you know, even if Kentucky misses out on Sharp and misses out on Cook, I really, you know, there's a hole there. But I am i won't go into, you know, I guess DEFCON whatever mode uh, until we actually get the final roster and see what happens. Um, but it's definitely, you know, it's going to be the bigger talking points over the next few months because that will decide, you know, those two will decide if Kentucky's going to have a bona fide 15, 20 point score on their roster or not next season.
1: Yeah, if not, I mean, they're going to have to find the next Kellen Grady in the portal. They're going to have to find, uh, you know, is there anybody watching the college basketball world right now that you kind of uh, look at as a man? I hope, I hope he puts his name in the portal. I, I just haven't, you know, Kellen Grady was a guy that you kind of heard of behind the scenes is that, oh, I, you keep an eye on him. If he decides to enter the portal, that would be a name worth worth visiting uh, i haven't seen who that guy is yet um but i don't know if you watching the college basketball world if there's anybody that's jumped out to you but there's got to be somebody out there if, if they strike out with both Shaden sharp and mookie cook there's got to be uh that replacement option and you know cj frederick isn't obviously Good the point. you know the playmaker that those two are
2: but he's the kellen grady like you know if i want to fire up eight threes a game and hit 45% of them, CJ Cj Frederick is our guy for that. So he'll be able to fill that hole in that sense, but that, you know, he only replaces Grady because we're going to have to find a replacement for Grady next year too. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure there's, there'll be players out there that names will surface, you know, as we kind of get into that actual process. And I'm sure there will be a 20 point per game guy who, you know, is playing it. Creighton, or something, who's actually doing really well and wants to, you know, find his way out. So there, there will be options there. Um, obviously, I think Sharp and Nuki Cook would be the, you know, the number ones there, but, uh, I won't go into, you know, full on meltdown mode until I kind of see how everything
1: shapes out. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, uh, Slowly tie that in with the class of 2023. A ton of questions about that. My guy, KG, where does UK stand with its main targets in 2023? And are there any under the radar names we need to be on the lookout for? Brad Marshall, early look at 2023, OG Money. 2023 dream class who are who are we, we we most likely to get uh john p ryan portal rumblings and who are we in a good spot with in 2023 are we going to offer ron holland new name to keep an eye on i absolutely think uh they do uh extend an offer to him at some point so we'll touch on that here uh angel rojas your ideal 2023 recruiting class a regular guy, any late risers in the 2023 class transfer portal buzz. So, you get the picture. A lot of people are asking about that possibility. So, let's just go down that list of 2023 recruits, the latest of what we're hearing on their recruitments and um where you think they fit in with this uh, with this potential 2023 class if, you know, they could be a reclass option. You know, if that's something that you could see as a, you know, if, if their game is developed enough, if you've seen enough from their game to, to think that that could be the case, uh, we'll, we'll go through some of those options and we'll uh, just kind of go one by one with it. We'll start very top of the class, DJ Wagner. This is a guy that uh, there's a lot of uh, controversy, not controversy, but a lot of speculation with him in the last several weeks in, in particular, uh, especially with that Louisville Va- coaching vacancy the potential uh the possibility of of kenny payne taking that job maybe milt wagner his grandfather taking that uh position as as an assistant or a, some kind of role uh you know some role in the the coaching staff i don't know if it'd be an actual on-court assistant or some kind of mentor or something within the program there's a lot of talk about that uh, where do things stand with DJ Wagner, Zach, and do you think Kentucky ultimately lands uh, its uh, golden goose of the class of 2023? Well, you know, barring a Kenny
2: Payne to Louisville situation, I feel like he's about as you know as clear of a Kentucky lock as they can get in terms of just the connections and uh, you know his father and everything and how kind of quiet he's kept his recruitment and. The number of schools that are, you know, seem to be recruiting him seems low, and I feel like part of that reason is just because they kind of already know. Like I feel like when we talked to him, I think the only schools he mentioned other than Kentucky were Villanova and Memphis. Um, he ain't and going to Memphis, the- let me tell you that. To
0: Memphis. Uh, that ain't happening.
2: So, you know, I don't think there's I've, either some all these schools know something that we don't. He's not telling us all the schools that are after him, or just you everyone sees as a foregone conclusion that he's going to pick UK um as fact so I think UK has the clear advantage on him unless you know that whole Kenny Payne thing on, on like you know happens and kind of devolves into whatever that that show ends up being so um but for now he seems like a Kentucky lock and I would gladly take him on that uh 2023 class next to Reed Shepard in the backcourt uh you know he kind of had a meh showing I guess out at hoop hall but the, you know, there's a reason there's, you can see obviously why he's the number one guy in that class and the way he can just kind of knife through the paint, you know, it's very John ja Morant, John ja Morant, like, and just, he's obviously a very gifted and talented scorer. And I think putting him at UK would, you know, he could do some pretty good things, even if he has to, you know, kind of cut down the shots a little bit, but I think Kentucky is easily the the top one for him.
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, a lot of DJ Wagner's struggles, A, have to do with the fact that he's 6'2", th- 165 pounds. He needs to bulk up. He's thin. He gets thrown around, does not absorb contact well. Some of the issues that we saw with BJ Boston in terms of uh, the uh, flipsy do, I believe, is what John Calipari called it with the uh, kind of just throwing the ball up and and trying to use English, guiding it off the backboard. Great body control. Uh, He does have very nice touch around the basket, but uh, he does not absorb contact well. He does not take physicality well, and that has really hurt him. He's played up. He's played up. I mean, I remember at Hoop Hall two years ago when I watched Lance Ware play uh, as a senior, DJ was starting for him as a freshman at point guard. So this is a dude he's played up. Uh, He's learned how to go through that contact a little bit, but, we need to remember he has not been playing with his age range with uh, AAU and all that stuff. So he's been playing up for the last couple of years. So I think once, once he finally plays with his own age group at the college level, I think it's kind of going to start falling into place. And I do think he's going to be better uh, than he's shown a little bit. I, I think it's clear you, you hit the nail on the head with his ability to cut through the lane and his agility, his lateral quickness. He's able to get to his spots. Uh, his shot's a little bit clunky. It's gotten a lot uh, – a couple hitches in it. It's gotten a lot more consistent um, than, than it has the last year or so. Uh, but I do think he's growing uh, quite quickly. Just kind of be, be patient with him. He's going to get there, uh, and he he will be there at the college level. I think I, – I, I just don't envision a scenario where John Calipari loses – this recruitment knowing the connection you're a Cavs dude so i'm sure you know the history behind dewan wagner uh and kind of how he became what he was john calipari pushed him out at memphis he wanted to come back for his sophomore year john calipari said uh screw that i'm gonna rip up your scholarship papers you need to go take your money while you can uh he ended up going pro they found a health issue that was serious it ended up ending his pro career uh with the Cavs. And uh, he basically has said ever since then that Dewan Wagner has said that he owes his life to John Calipari. And I just don't think a guy like that uh, DJ's dad would allow for that to happen, to go to Kentucky's biggest rival, to go to John Calipari's biggest rival. I don't care what happens with Kenny Payne and that connection. I think he's a Nike kid. I think he's a Calipari kid. Uh, his brother is his blood brother is on the team right now his friend that played with him at Camden is on the team and he's a four-year player. He's going to be here by the time uh, DJ is here. You, there's just so many connections Zach, that I just, I just don't envision a scenario where Kentucky loses out on this kid. I just don't. And I, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Uh, maybe that connection with Milt is tighter than I th- thought. And his connection with Kenny Payne's tighter than I thought if, if it uh, evolves into that situation, I just don't see it. I think the kid's going to end up at Kentucky. Uh, and I think all of this, uh, buzz and this frustration and this uh uh concern i think it will all be for nothing i think he'll end up at at kentucky where he um has been destined to be since his father left memphis and ended up in memphis yeah i think if if he doesn't it would be because something you know kind of flies
2: under the radar at the last second because you know at this point it's kind of like a it almost feels like the um God, I'm forgetting that kid's name now. Who's the kid that picked NC State, and everyone thought he was picking UK? Robert Dillingham, yeah. Robert Dillingham, but obviously, you know, completely different scenarios. But we're we're getting to the point now where we're just like, well, he's going to UK, so you know, unless something happens in the last couple of weeks, which is pretty much kind of what happened with Robert Dillingham, or at least you know that's kind of how it sounded
1: like. Uh, you know, it it's going to be Kentucky, or it feels like a safe bet. Um, moving down that list uh your your golden goose of the class a guy that you are quite the fan of KJ Evans uh, playing at Montverde Academy uh, number 2 player in the country you are very high on his game and especially in, as a long-term prospect uh, where does Kentucky stand with him and do you think he is going to be their uh go-to guy at the four i definitely think
2: Kentucky's in good position just from we you know when we were talking with him and Hoop Paul and um you know, the, all the other blue bloods are involved. Like I think he mentioned both Duke and UNC were involved with him, um, which makes sense because he is about as, you know, he's incredibly raw. Like he's probably the sixth or seventh man on that Montverde team, which granted he's playing behind three, four stars and two, five stars. So from that are all seniors. Um, So you don't really get to see him that much, but whenever, whenever you do, it's, I mean, the, I'll go back to that word intangibles. I mean, he's just, he's got everything that you look for in a modern NBA player who's big long can stretch the floor, uh, go inside, can dribble a ball, uh, you know, go down into the paint, you know, work his way around, even, uh, you know, take the ball at the floor. If he needs to, he can do all the things. And uh, it's just going to be a matter of him, you know, getting the minutes and the reps and and putting it all together. Cause he wasn't, you know, by any means, does he, let's necessarily look like he is a five-star player right now it's more of a his five-star ranking is more of the fact that like this kid can be really really good in like two years because he's already big um he can put on some more weight if he needs to but he's already pretty big for you know a, a six eight i guess junior or whatever he's he's already got a, a decent frame on him so um but i feel good about where kentucky is right now i think i remember even some of his teammates were I, they might have been just joking around but they're like yeah you know the uh, uh, KJ is going to Kentucky, whatever stuff like that. So I think UK's definitely got a, a nice spot with him, but he's going to be a guy that's very coveted, and it's not going to be nearly as straightforward as DJs, where there's going to be other players and candidates or schools coming in and, and trying to get him because he's going to be he's going to continue to be a, a top three five star guy until he ends up picking a school.
1: I I'm operating under the assumption something that I've heard, kind of you know people close to Montverde and and people that know his game and kind of his growth. I I think Kentucky is going to be monitoring that one very closely. I don't know if he's their favorite front court target. It's, it's just a really weak front court. I just don't like any of the pieces really uh, at center. Uh, you know, some guys, maybe a 2024 guy reclasses 23, and we don't even have to worry about this, but I just think the front court class is really weak. Not a fan of Omaha. Uh, Bill you Bay Falls, pretty solid, but he has his flaws as well. Uh, you know, Isaiah Miranda a little bit further down the list. There's just a lot of guys that, uh, there's not that aha guy, Aaron Bradshaw, UK's in a good spot with him and, and he's well, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not even sure what position KJ is right now.
2: Like, yeah. you know, yeah,
1: that's a good point too. Yeah.
2: You know, I don't even think he knows if he's a three or a four. Um, you know, he could even potentially, you know, be maybe a small ball five guy if he puts he on, new too. New yeah, new yeah. New on and he's,
1: he's officially listed at six nine two hundred. 200. As yeah. things stand right now, so if he grows to 6'11", 225, then you got a a pretty versatile five that I think would be perfect for modern day NBA. He's got a lot of Chris Bosh in him. That's a guy that, uh, obviously, Chris Bosh could be a you know future. I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, but that type okay. of you know he's a NBA superstar, all star type guy uh, that he's perfectly made for the NBA. So envision that style of player when you think about uh, KJ Evans. Um, I think Kentucky is going to watch him closely and see what he becomes next within the next year. I think this spring, this summer is going to be really important for him. Um, not well, his coach quite- even told us that
2: he's going to get you know he's going to have the minutes load next year. So, well, this is a guy that we'll have to revisit this time next year, and then really we'll really have an, a better idea of if he's actually as good as you know the potential kind of shows right now.
1: I think he likes Kentucky, and I think if it were up to him, he would end up being at Kentucky. I think Kentucky wants to make sure that he's the right fit, that he grows the way he should uh, over the next, you know, this spring, this summer. Right, like right now, uh, in April or whatever, is when we started seeing that uh, um, Derek Lively was going to emerge as that guy in the front court. Uh, that th- right now is kind of when guys go from nothing to something. And I think sure. that this is going to be the perfect time for K.J. Evans. And I have heard that he could be an early commitment type guy, too. Uh, if Kentucky really wants him, I think that they're going to go all in on him. Uh, if things go well in the spring and the summer, I think he could be an early commitment type guy. So uh, keep your eyes peeled on him in the coming months, especially if he continues to to show what he could be. Uh, I do think that there's a, a potential fit there. Uh, McKenzie McBaco or McKenzie M- Mbaco. He's a guy that I uh, am not in love with. Uh, you know, some of my concerns about him. Uh, we wrote a, a lot about it on KSR after we went to Hoop Hall. Um, I think he's a little stiff. I think he's a little undersized. I think he's a little bit of a tweener, uh, hell of a shooter. He's a knockdown shooter at all three levels. I, I think he is a very, very, uh, probably one of the most gifted shooters, especially for his size in the class. Um, but I'm I not a huge fan of some of the other parts of his game. And I, um, I go back and forth on him, Zach, and I know he's a guy that you're, I think you're a little bit higher on him than, than I am. What do you like about uh, McKenzie and, and his potential fit at Kentucky?
2: I think of all the 23 guys that we watched at the hoop hall, he's the guy I want to see again the most, just because that first game, I mean, he was not good at all that we watched him play, but the second game he was, you know, you could see, you know, why he was ranked so highly. So he's just a guy I want to see more of, but, you know, he's another one of these six foot eight wing guys who can kind of do a little bit of everything. Um, it just felt like he was, you know, a little bit more rushed, um, didn't really know how to settle down or like when to, when to pick his spots and stuff like that. Um, which I feel like is, you know, that can be an easier thing to adjust as opposed to just like, you know, not being able to shoot, which he can, and he can get to the rim and, and he's strong and tough, uh, and he's pretty, uh, solid defender as well. So, um, it was just a consistency thing for me uh, is why, you know, I wasn't ready to jump in all in, but I do see why, you know, he's, he's ranked so highly. And whenever I get the chance to see him again, he's, I'll be watching closely. Uh, Cause I do think, I know that Duke is kind of the perceived leader for him right now. Um, But he's not a guy that I would be opposed to Kentucky trying to jump in on as well. And, you know, add, you know, take their pick of one of those 10 guys.
1: I I do think that, Duke is the slight leader, but I have heard that Kentucky isn't in as. Uh, there's kind of this rumor that he's been a lock to Kentucky or been a lock to Duke for a long time, and he has the connection playing for the Rens. That that it's kind of a, a pipeline program to uh, Duke. It's a feeder program for Duke, and I think that's where that kind of comes from. And I, but I have heard that Kentucky is in a sneaky solid spot for him, um, and I I think that I would probably go like a. Sixty-five, thirty-five, duke to kentucky i think those are the top two options i don't know if there's anybody else that really intrigues me for him i don't know if there's anybody else that jumps off the page i, I do That's, think it'll I've be seen one of those ohio state pop up but yeah i i think i think he'll be a blue blood type dude and i think duke has a slight age maybe even 60 40 honestly i maybe i'm not giving kentucky enough credit but i have heard that they're in a sneaky solid spot and uh you know, if Mookie Cook ends up reclassing to 2022, I do think that he would emerge as that top guy uh, at the, at that small forward position. And I think that's when things could ramp up a lot in Kentucky's favor. So uh, keep an eye on him, but not my favorite prospect in the class. Maybe I just need to see him a a little bit more, but uh, I think that there's a a lot to like, but a couple things that, that Kind of bother me and, and worry me About his potential fit at Kentucky And, and what he could be So uh, we'll, we'll see about him J.J. Um, Taylor is a guy that a lot of people uh, had, Including myself Kind of penciled in as that guy There's a connection with the Mac uh, Mac Irvin program With the AAU uh, He's a Chicago kid through and through um, He was Chin Coleman's guy From day one And I think that they loved him They watched every single one of his games At Peach Jam They were obsessed with his game early Um I think his move to Donda worried a little bit, uh, worried Kentucky a little bit, a lot of people nationally as well. I think that there's some concern that he's going to be a uh, a pro guy, and I think that there's already a lot of buzz that he's just going to end up uh, being, you know, kind of one of those overtime elite guys where he goes pro early, and uh, we don't hear much of him, um, you know, moving forward at the in terms of college options. I, I just don't know if that's going to be a fit. Uh, with with Kentucky, unfortunately, because I was a big fan of his game, and I, I just don't see uh, that that one coming to fruition. Maybe things change in the next couple. I guess uh, this AAU season could be important, depending on who he plays with and how he plays. Um, we'll see. I, I I'm kind of all hands off on on uh, the uh, after hearing the behind the scenes stuff on Robert Dillingham with the Donda and all that stuff. I'm kind of hands off on on these kids for for the time being.
2: Well, you know my thoughts on Donda, and I'm not, never, never, the second it started up, I was not a fan of it. When Robert Dillingham went there, I immediately was, you know, skeptical of it. Um, whenever I see stuff like that pop up, I immediately just think that they're pro options, and that's just where they're going. Um, I think J.J. Taylor was the first 23 kid to get a UK offer, right? He was. And you you talked about the Chin Coleman with the Chicago uh, connections and that AAU program uh, that they were uh, all a part of, so... I mean, I think UK was the, you know, the clear leader for a long time until this whole thing with Donda happened. And I, now i now I think it's all, you know, it's almost, it almost just seems like it's turning into a theater of that, of that sort. And that's just something I think UK should avoid personally. Um, Cause I don't trust anything with Donda and anything that kind of goes on behind the scenes with that. Uh, you know, if you want to call it a basketball program, whatever. So uh, I think he's an amazing player. I think he's probably one of the maybe the best pure shooter in the class, just in terms of, you know, being six, whatever he is, six, eight, and being able to shoot like kind of like Kevin Durant, just being so quick and getting it off so easily and so high that, you know, he's a guy that would have been really good at Kentucky and filled in kind of that, you know, if you're looking for a shade and sharp type, put up points, he would have been your guy. Uh, But I can easily see him doing what you said, Jack, and just kind of, you know, sliding in the shadows and no one hears of him for the next 18 months until the next
1: draft comes around and all of a sudden he's you know the number eight pick or whatever yeah that wouldn't wouldn't shock me at all um we'll we'll see what happens with you know peach jam and and who he plays with how he plays whether kentucky decides to watch him uh but it, it i really I don't think anybody's heard much of anything in terms of college options ever since his move i I haven't heard any other possible schools pop up since then i think people i I think everybody in the basketball world has just kind of said we're going to wait and see on that one i don't know how things are going to unfold but if if you're going to ask me right now i i would 100 think that uh we would see a pro a pro route uh decision at some point where he would go to overtime or Um, G League, Ignite, something like that, and then he uh, prepares for the 2024 draft, I believe it would be. Uh, Moving down that list, Omaha, uh, Bill Yu, he's a guy that Kentucky flirted with a little bit. I think he's going to be another pro guy. If not, he's going to stay in the Midwest somewhere. I just don't see Kentucky. Kentucky hasn't talked to him in a while. We talked to him on that last day of of, uh, Hoop Hall and we were like, you know, what are some of the top schools you, that are reaching out to you? Oh, well, I like this school, this school, this school, this school, and this all oh, Big Twelve schools. Yeah, uh, and then, oh, okay, what about this school? Oh, yeah, I've also heard about them. Uh, yeah, I may visit them. What about potential visit options? Yeah, I've uh, I've set up visits here and here. I'm thinking about taking visits here and here, but that's probably it. Um, and then I I said, so there was some talk about Kentucky. Where are things going there? He goes, oh, well, yeah, I still talk to them. So. Yeah. I just I just don't envision that being a, a possibility. So we, we won't even stick around with that one too 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 long. Bayfall, I know nothing about his recruit. I know he, he wants to visit Kentucky. I know that he's high on Kentucky. Um I don't know how I, I think Kentucky wants to see him a little bit more uh in the coming months, but I, I don't know if there's a, a lot. The when we when we talked to him at Vegas,
2: he was talking pro options. Like that was the first yeah. thing he mentioning then and uh i know that kentucky even then was a school that he was uh, after but i think he's got i think colorado is colorado, a school yeah. yeah so he's a like he's just kind of it as a weird recruitment right now and that's probably one we'll just kind of figure out more as you know time goes on yeah but, um Pro was always a
1: big like that was something that he talked about first mm-hmm. um matas Buzelis, i love he is, he's a very unique player he's kind of that Ben Simmons type big six foot 10 big six foot 10 uh bring the ball up the floor unique score very versatile very uh athletic you know he's he's a very unique type player uh Kentucky offered him they're very high on him there's still some uh some Duke buzz with him um I I think that might be a Duke versus Kentucky versus Kentucky battle as well he likes Florida State um that that's an interesting one. He's one that I need to see with my own two eyes. He's at Brewster. There was the Terrence Clark connection uh, this this past year. So I, I don't I don't know if he's at the top of Kentucky's. I, I know Mookie Cook is at the top. There's so many freaking small forwards in this class. It's unbelievable. <laughs> they uh, all, all kind the of. Uh, fi- figuring out where they all fit in. It's just kind of, drives me crazy trying to figure out, okay, is he going to be the small, smaller version of this, uh, the small forward? And then the, the true three. And then the big three is the small ball four? like, it, it's w- trying to figure out where all these kids fit. It's, it's very difficult, but, uh, I- he's a guy that i need to see i know kentucky's not super they're high on him but they have a lot some questions about him as well they want to see him uh in the coming months as well so um he's kind of another guy that i i don't want to speak on in terms of favorites and and who i think he's leaning toward and all that until i talk to people close to him and and get to see him in person and uh, those sorts of things in, in the near future but Unique player, I know you like him. Yeah. I know Duke and UK are definitely.
2: I mean, those are the two schools that have offered him, and you had to think that those would be, you know, big draws for him. But I'm a big fan of him. I think anytime you can get a kid that's six ten and can shoot like he can, um, I kind of get some some slight like Kevin Knox type vibes from him.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, like he's Montas is a guy I think can end up being top five in this class by the time it's all said and done, uh, just because the unique blend of being that tall and being able to dribble the ball that well and shoot it that well, I think is it's exactly what teams are looking for nowadays uh, in terms of, you know, modern basketball and and all that. So I'm, I'm very impressed. I haven't seen him live. It's all been, you know, uh, TV stuff. So once I can get to see him live, I'll have a better idea, but uh, I kind of like, I'm a big, I'm very impressed with, you know, the potential of that that kid and, and, and where he's at right now already. And I feel like he's kind of come on as of late as well. I think he jumped like 80 spots or something. Um, in the last maybe six months. So he's just going to keep rising, I think, because that, that combination of size and shooting is very unique. And that's you know what teams are, especially NBA teams, are really looking for.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next guy that I think we need to bring up is Ron Holland. He's a guy that I think Kentucky fans need to keep a very close eye on. He plays at Duncanville in Texas. Uh, Jay Lucas connection. Jay Lucas, I, I have heard, uh, is a big fan of him and that they're really – Uh, starting to explore that option a little bit. Again, I believe he's uh, friends with Casey Wallace as well. Yes. Another damn six, eight small forward in this class. Go figure. There's another one, but he is one that I've heard that Kentucky is really kind of intrigued with and wanting to keep a close eye on. Um, he's rated number 14 in the uh, two, four, seven rankings. Uh, I need to be pulling up the on three rankings as well, but, um,
2: I, on three consensus.
1: so I know that there he's kind of emerging as that consensus top 15, top 20 type guy, but I know that he's a Jay Lucas guy. And I know that he's somebody that they, uh, are quite interested in moving forward and think that he could be something special. Uh, so it's definitely something to keep a, a close eye on there. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of, uh, um, you know, Memphis and, and not a whole lot of I don't think that there's a, a firm leader in any direction for him. I think that he's just interested in a lot of different things. So um, I think Kentucky is a school that could definitely be a, a threat uh, in the long run. I think it's still very early, but keep keep a close eye on him. Uh, in in Kentucky and what happens here in the spring and and Kentucky going to his games and seeing him play. I do think that there could be potential interest there. Uh, Justin Edwards, he's a guy that I heard a lot about early in Kentucky's interest there. I know he likes Kentucky a lot, but I don't know, again, a six foot seven small forward in the class. I, I just don't know if he's at the top of their priority list uh, anymore. I, I just think they're in love with Mookie Cook. And I think that everything with that position is going to kind of fall into place uh, after that. I think it's Mookie Cook. And I th- I, I've heard that Ron Holland might be right behind Mookie there at the three. And then Mackenzie Mbako, Mc- uh, um, you know, Matas, Matas from there, uh, JJ Taylor a little bit further down. There's just so many different options and how are going to play out i just don't know if justin edwards is going to be that fit i know he loves kentucky and if it were up to him he would definitely be there but um i i don't know if that's going to be a potential match they offered in november but ever since then he, he took an official visit in november offered uh that's that same month and ever since then we haven't heard a single lick about anything uh in terms of his recruitment so i think that's going to be a wait and see game as well i remember i even i think
2: I put a pick in for Kentucky of the few picks i put in on that uh, little uh, on three predictor thing that we have. I put in one for Kentucky because I remember at the time when that offer and all that stuff came in is just from talking to his coach. I just got the sense that Kentucky seemed like, uh, you know, the team that Justin himself was uh, preferably after. But as you mentioned, there's just so many other wings that Kentucky can kind of be a little picky and choosy in terms of who they want to go after. Um, Justin Edwards isn't a guy I have, I've seen play live, but I have seen him play on TV and I like his game a lot. Um, I think he needs – I think the shooting part is kind of where he lacks a little bit uh, and where some of the other wings are actually kind of already uh, above him in that aspect. So maybe uh, that's where, you know, there will be some hesitancy on UK's part. But I guess we'll have to just kind of wait and see with his recruitment as well and how it goes from there.
1: We'll uh, wrap up uh, the kind of breaking down the 23 class with this. The uh, center position, Uh, it's a horrendous, horrendous center class. I'm just going to put that out there. It's just not very good from top to bottom. A lot of guys that are kind of long-term potential options and kind of hoping to see what they can become type dudes. Uh, Aaron Bradshaw is one of those guys. He's ranked number 21 in the class. I don't agree with that, but he's there. Um, and I guess uh, on three is ranked number 20 overall. I think that's a little high for my liking. Um, and then you have guys like Isaiah Miranda at at a little bit further down the list. Um, I, I would personally, if it were my call, maybe take one, if you want a long-term potential type guy, but they're both very raw. Um, shot blocking defensive minded type guys uh isaiah miranda's athletic and and kind of a willie collie stein type guy and and uh i guess my comparison for aaron bradshaw he's kind of a little bit slower and he compared I,
2: himself personally to efton reed who now plays with the timberwolves okay. who is on lsu who's kind of like a, a tall type Bruiser, not, necessarily, but not maybe is like built like a bruiser, but can get physical down low and, and is a good shot blocker and a major athlete type guy.
1: Yeah. So uh, those are the two kind of guys separating themselves. I know Kentucky's interested in both of them, but um, Aaron Redshaw
2: was, I don't think he's worth the, the, the number 20 rating, but I definitely, you know, if he's a guy that, you know, would love to come to Kentucky and, you know, stay there for three or four years. I would absolutely, you know, he's a guy that sure. they should absolutely look into, uh, but I don't foresee him, you know, even in the immediate future, becoming a guy that can step right in, and, you know, play starter minutes for a team, a pro, any, you know, high caliber power five team, but we'll see.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of my thing. If he knows what he is, kind of that Lance Ware type guy where he knows he's going to come in. He's a seven footer, seven foot one. He's going to be a shot blocker. Uh, if he's that type of guy and another Camden kid, another connection to DJ yeah. Wagner, if that helps Security I think that's really life. the
2: draw for UK is in, the yeah. there. Yeah.
1: So if he they would not be
2: hearing from Kentucky, if he was not TJ teammates with DJ Wagner.
1: Yeah. Uh, that would make a uh, a lot, a lot of sense for sure. I, I, I definitely understand that that side of things, but I would not, I would go for a, an immediate impact transfer guy or hope that a 2024 option emerges as a reclass guy, but, I do not see Kentucky circling either of those guys as they're uh, you know zeroing in on either of them as they're aha we got to definitely go uh, for him um, uh, as the kind of primary option and the centerpiece of that class. I just don't see that unfolding at all. So we wrapped up that kind of give, gives you all of the 2023 options that Kentucky's going after. Uh, UK is in a very solid spot with some of them, um, the perceived favorite for a couple of them um kind well, of pick pick three outside
2: of Reed that you want
1: so that that I'll a couple of those the questions they were asking about uh potential uh dream class scenarios so I was going to ask you that as well. well we'll give our our dream class DJ Wagner so we already have Reed so we Is have really Reed, Reed DJ Wagner I'm going Mookie Cook staying in 2023 that's my guy at the three I want I, I hope that he comes to his senses and says. I want to, you know, trust the process, stay with it, not reclass and, and go to Kentucky. I, I think that is a hell of an option there. So I want him uh, as that four. I would love KJ Evans, and I guess I'll take uh, Aaron Bradshaw as the potential guy, but then go for a a transfer portal big. That's my dream scenario. And if not Mookie Cook and he reclasses, then Ron Holland's my guy, as the three. I think that's going to be the, the if- If then, options for Kentucky. What about you?
2: You know, with Reed, I'll I'll obviously stick with DJ. I really like that combo in the backcourt of Reed and DJ. I think that can be a lot of fun and kind of covers pretty much all the areas that you would need to. I even think DJ and Reed are both underrated defenders. So I feel like that would be, you know, that's kind of your dream backcourt for 2023, both as freshmen, where they can come in and both play really, really good minutes. Um, Then I want KJ Evans on that team. Um, I would really like uh, Matos as well. So that already puts us at four there. And then, um, you know, if we can get, if Mookie Cook is available, you take him, if he's in the 22 class, then I'm kind of open to whoever, you know, if they can get Aaron Bradshaw and kind of fill him in as that, you know, long-term project guy, um, you know, or if they can, or just take one of those other wings that would love to go to like uh, McKenzie or uh, Justin Edwards, just one of those guys. But I, the guys I would really like are DJ, uh, Montas, and KJ. Those are my three, along with Reed. And then if they can get Mookie Cook, obviously that would be amazing. But um, those, that's where I'm at right now with my dream class, if you
1: yeah, like Let's just make it clear. It is an absolutely freaking loaded wing class. And if Kentucky it's wants so to sign four of them, then they could because there's a whole lot of talent there. I... I imagine some of the ones that
2: aren't as highly rated right now will be later too. Cause you know, there's, I mean, there's wing players in the twenties that are, you know, they're, that are also six, eight, six, nine. So I, there's going to be more of these type players that are going to pop up as we go along too. So the options I think on wing are going to be very, very deep.
1: Yeah. I mean, shoot. Justin Edwards is that type of guy. He's, he's a little bit further down. Well, I guess in the on three rankings, he, he's ranked number nine, but uh, there, I mean, there's, there's just so many different options. Ron, Ron Holland's a little bit further down. There's, However Kentucky wants to go with this, whatever, if they prioritize athleticism and, and length and kind of defensive minded guys, you could, there's, there's options there. If they want shooting, they can get shooting. You know, McKenzie's a clear, uh, the, the, I think the, the for my money, the best shooter out of that bunch. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of, of good stuff there in that wing class. If they really want to get frisky in that, that small forward, you know, small ball four type role there's a lot of guys that they could really go after and, and be interested in so um we'll see i, I think that's kind of my my dream class is there my realistic class i think kentucky gets dj i think kentucky obviously already has Reed. i think i i think mookie is gonna reclass so i'm gonna go ahead and, and pencil him out and hope that he takes the uh shade and sharp role in twenty two um at that three man, I, I Ron Holland. I think that they're going to go for him, and then KJ Evans. I think those are the four main guys that they're going to really go after. And I think McKenzie. That's their guy that they're going to try to see what goes on with that, and and hope that uh, they can steal him away from Duke. And if that's the case, then maybe he surpasses Ron Holland. I, that the, when you have twenty five different options at at, the, at small forward, it's just, it's hard to nail one down as ah there's the guy because I do think Mookie they do see him as the guy in that group but uh with there's so much being up in the air with him they would love him in 23 but with, with the poten- potential for him going 22 I think that uh kind of definitely throws a wrench into things so we we will see but it's a There'll, there'll be a kid or two that pops up along the way as well. You know, a
2: shade sharp type situation. He might not go from, you know, unranked to number one, but there'll be a guy that'll pop himself up over the next, you know, four or five months who will sneak his way in the conversation as well. Um, but DJ and Reed, I think that's, you've got that locked up. Obviously Reed is there, but you can kind of go ahead and pencil that in as your backcourt. And then I would go ahead and say KJ Evans is pretty much, you know, he's if he had to pick right now, it'd be UK. But other than that though, I think there's a lot of toss-ups for all those wing players.
1: Yeah, Um, I'll kind of go through quickly some of these last second questions um, and wrap things up because this is this show has gone pretty long. It's been it's been refreshing. We haven't been able to kind of just go all in on recruiting here in a while. And this show has been longer than pretty much any of the other pregame and postgame shows we've had uh, in a long time talking uh, for an hour and 10 minutes at this point. So this has been good. <laughs> I, I hope fans uh, enjoy this quite a bit. Um, let's uh, roll through some of them. Uh, Sean Sutton. So, is, Nazir Cunningham. Here? Sorry to oh, cut you off there. Someone I, asked about Nazir Cunningham. if you want to talk about him real quick? I, I am quite the fan of Nazir Cunningham. I think he is definitely the guy uh, in 24. I'm worried, very worried about Duke for him. I think that he may end up being Duke's kind of go-to guy in 2024. So I don't want to get too excited about him, but, uh, Man, oh man, there's a lot to like about that ki- that kid. I mean, he's already so, he, as a sophomore, he's so advanced for his age. He's long, he's athletic, he's skilled, he's fast, he he's great with the ball in his hand. Um, shoots the ball really well. I mean, he's goodness gracious. I hope he does not end up at Duke, and and I hope Kentucky <laughs> ends up getting him. But goodness gracious, that kid can play. Yeah, he's a stud. He's a guy I would. I, he'll be top five in that in that
2: class. You know, from till the day he signs his NLI. So. Uh, big fan of Oscar Cunningham. It's just funny like, you know, he's a kid that he's wearing braces and he's going out there <laughs> up
1: 25 points on, you know, five star kids. that are going to Duke. next. Coach. He's incredible. He's he's a stud. Yeah, it's definitely one that uh, fans should keep a very close eye on, hoping that he doesn't go to Duke because I do think Kentucky is going to be all in on him uh, at the end of the day. Uh, Sean Sutton asked, what's the story on a big man for next year? I think there's some chance that Oscar is back. I don't, uh, but will be pushing for anyone with the assumption that where Collins and Toppin are all on the roster next year feels like the front court has just a few too many pieces. I do not think Oscar will be back. I think he will go pro if uh, things work out with his student visa uh, where he'll be able to get a student work visa. I know that's something that they're working hard on to try to get NIL money for guys like him in his position. I I, I I would welcome, he's my favorite player I've covered at UK since I started this job. I, I would take him back 10 times over but I just think that um he's already 56 I think from the latest mock draft and he wasn't even on the top 100 board uh entering the season where he was last year at West Virginia so the fact that we're already at this point where he's even in the conversation to be drafted I think is a massive win and shows just how good he's been this season as a 6'8 265 pound below the rim center uh you know there's not many of those guys in the NBA. There are none of those guys in the NBA actually. So the fact that he's kind of solidified himself, even in that conversation, I think just shows the world of what Cal Perry has done with him and what he's been able to do this season. So I think he's going to take that money and run and do and start his pro career. He's going to make a a jillion dollars overseas. uh, If he doesn't end up, I think he'll be able to carve out a role in the NBA, but uh, I do think that he'll, if worst case scenario, he'll be able to go overseas and make a ton of money, uh, regardless. So, uh, I just don't envision that scenario. And if I'm wrong, I'd love to be wrong because I love him to death, but I don't want fans to get excited about that possibility, thinking that they're going to get him back and then be heartbroken that their beloved Oscar Sheboy does not return next season, Zach. Yeah, and I think you
2: know, Oscar lost Kentucky, but I, I, he wants to go to the NBA. Like, you know, that's that's what all these kids want to do, they want to go to the NBA, and his stock is still low as you were saying, but if it continues to kind of steadily rise, and if there's some team NBA team that gives him a a guarantee in the second round, like, Hey, if you're here at pick number 49, we'll take you. I think he absolutely does that because that's what he wants to do. And that's, you know, he's going to make his mark and coming back to Kentucky. I think some other people have made this point, but there's really not much you can do when you're national player of the year, front runner. and, And especially if he wins the award, there's really like coming back to Kentucky, really, you know, unless he starts shooting threes, yeah. There's really not much I feel like he can improve upon at this point. And he just needs to go to the NBA so they can develop him and put him in those situations and make him a better player. But I think Kentucky's actually kind of in a good situation next year where even if Oscar leaves, the front court is kind of, you know, it depends on, you know, cause let's see, they've got Keon, uh, Bryce, Lance, Damian, Jacob, that's five guys. You're probably anticipating to lose one, maybe two to transfers or whatever, who knows? Um, but that's already, a, you know, a core of a group of guys that you already know can play. And I think a lot of us are going to kind of bank on a Damian Collins leap, which if that happens, that kind of changes the whole narrative of everything. Kind of the same thing with Jacob Toppin, too, because he's he slowly takes leaps throughout the year. Um, and then if you can get a guy, like if you can get Lance Ware back, which I think we all kind of do expect, like he's another guy that can be, he can, his, his role as a bench guy can be elevated and he can be a 15 or 20 minute bench guy. And then maybe as a senior, he's starting. Type thing, and then if you can somehow get Keon Brooks back, like you know, I still kind of go back and forth on you know what kind of value Keon brings, but you know it's clear at this point that he's a guy that obviously contributes to winning. So if you can get him back too, obviously you know those guys are big centers, and that's kind of why you'd bank on Damian making that leap, and then you know you'd play the transfer portal elsewhere. But I'm not necessarily concerned of. You know, regarding the fact that UK doesn't have a center in the twenty-two class, that doesn't bug me at all. Like I'm not concerned because I think, when it worst comes to worst, Cal goes in the portal and finds another guy that's six ten.
1: Yeah, well, there's a lot of questions about. Well, that that question was was about um, any other big options that could present themselves in in the portal. What's the story there? Um, you know, with with those type of guys, I do think that Kentucky will. I think they're going to take the biggest, the the best big available. If Oscar leaves, I think they're going to find an Oscar replace, a replacement. Okay. I think that they're going to find the most productive big, and maybe Kofi Coburn, is has two years left of eligibility. Maybe he realizes I'm not showing anything more at Illinois than I've been showing, but maybe that's the same conversation that we're having with Oscar. And why, why would he come back uh, outside of maybe, uh, uh like, finding, Kofi
2: already came back.
1: Yeah. Finding a new, uh, uh, source of income at kentucky with new fans new excitement new all that how many guys at illinois are going to buy a second kofi coburn shirt you know what i'm saying like maybe a a new fresh take he wanted to come here last offseason maybe uh with oscar leaving he'd get that opportunity again you never know Uh, i do think that kentucky will explore that option and find the most productive big i do think there are a couple guys out there that have maybe already kind of put some feelers behind the scenes about who that uh, about potentially coming here and being that replacement option. I don't want to, you know, throw anything like that out there, but I do think that there are some early conversations from guys that may want to end up being here next season because they have seen what they have done with Oscar Shibwe and putting him in the conversation for uh, a a draft draft pick and those type of things. I think there is a lot of intrigue with think long-term bigs that have been productive at the college level for a long time, that have been wanting to break through as a draft guide. It it isn't really rocket science to figure out who those type of players could be. So uh, get creative there and and think uh, of who those guys could potentially be. Um, Corey Wildcat guru. Are there any high level bigs you've heard are interested uh, in uh, exploring their options in the transfer portal? We talked about that. Um, Oh, John P Ryan asks, any chance Brooks comes back with NIL. It was a lot of, transfer buzz with with brooks last off season. i do think it was all very legitimate um i kind of went into this year thinking this was the last year for keon brooks at, in lexington and i don't think my mind is going to change on that i think he's gone whether he explores his transfer options or he just decides to go pro i just i when there was so much smoke last off season about where things could go uh and some options. I mean, we got to the point where there were options on the table of where he could go—not if he was going to go, but where he could potentially go. When you when you're that deep in those type of conversations, I, I think uh, it, it would take a lot to come back from that. And I know he's seen a lot of growth recently, and I love what he's bring, brought to the table recently. But um maybe NIL changes that. But I don't envision that scenario Zach. And he's he's been you know he's the
2: veteran at this point. Like he's. You know he he had his you know kind of coming out year as a freshman. He got screwed as a sophomore, as they all did, and now he's really kind of putting it together. So, you know, especially if Kentucky goes deep in the tournament, he might just kind of look at look back at the career and be like, you know what, I've kind of done all I need to do here at Kentucky. This is kind of like where I'm going to peak right now. Either I can go transfer somewhere and try and you know up my you know up my abilities on offense, and you know, try and take on a bigger role to prepare for the league. Or he just says screw it and you know tries and makes the jump now, which I don't think that would be. And he's he's a weird guy because Keon's obviously very like he's good and he's productive, but you know can he is there enough left in his you know potential to make a, a leap and, and be an NBA player? I'm still not sure yet, um, and I honestly think we're getting close to that kind of deadline of if he's going to be or not. So, I'd, like I think I'd like to have Keon back next year, but I'm still not sure. Honestly, at this moment in time just because I feel like, like I kind of said, the front court has other options there. I think Cal's going to go find someone. You've got Chris Livingston coming in as well. So
1: it, he's he's in a tough spot, I think. And he'll, he's going to consider all those factors as well. Yeah. I, I, we'll see. Um, Chase Peterson, the uh, question of the hour. Do you predict any player on the current roster transfers out in the offseason? I do. Uh, I do. Um, Jack, tell us, I don't want to, I, it's, it's a very tricky situation, but there has been some buzz about, uh, potential transfer guys that, that may be exploring their options. I, I was told going into the year, uh, that, that they would be shocked if Damian Collins stayed two years at Kentucky, just because he's a small town kid from Texas, a, a very small, uh, Atlanta Texas has you know size of a P on the map just not a whole lot there um, there was some talk that he would leave after one year regardless that he was going to come if he didn't like it he would transfer somewhere back home or if he was good enough he'd go pro this was always kind of be a one year thing I've heard things are going really well and that that might be um, with how things have progressed I would definitely like to see him back next season as you talk about that his explosion could be massive for next year um, so I haven't heard a lot of transfer buzz with him lately, which is very uh, great news. Usually, right like last year, you started hearing uh, transfer buzz with with Cam Fletcher in January, which is kind of right in the same time line with some of these other uh, guys that could or could not go. Um, and I haven't heard anything with Damien since then. So that's a good, good thing. Um, well, maybe Maybe I'm reading too far
2: into it, but like he did his media availability today. And that kid sounded so much better than he did four months ago in terms of, you know, confidence and ability to talk. So maybe, you know, when he got here, he was obviously, you know, out of place, you know, not necessarily in his element. He sounds like he's kind of adapted to it pretty well, or at least it feels like it, obviously, from the outside looking in. It feels like he's adapted well. You know, he always seems to be in good spirits on the sideline. He's getting his moment now, too. So. I feel like everything is kind of trending in the direction for Collins to definitely come back for another year at Kentucky.
1: Yeah. Um, I do. I do worry about Bryce Hopkins. I do. I'll put, I'll make that clear. I do have some concern. Um, I I just, he's a guy that I think would be a hell of a player in two, in year two. I think he would fit perfectly uh, as that, I think he could have a PJ Washington type jump. I do think, I think I'm that high on his game. I think he's super skilled, um, but I do think he wants an opportunity and I don't know. Um, I guess it depends on how things unfold with who UK gets, if Shaden Sharp leaves, if Mookie Cook reclasses, there's a lot of different moving parts to this. But I think as things are laid out currently, I don't know if the if his side of things sees a, an avenue for that growth and that jump that, that I think a lot of people were kind of anticipating. Um, so I would keep an eye on that Dante Allen <laughs> guess is as good as mine. I've heard Egon. He I, I, if it were, if I were to a betting man and I am at times, I, I would definitely think that, uh, Dante decides to explore his transfer options this off season. So those are the two, those are the two main ones that I would kind of keep an eye on. Maybe Damien, if he's, wants to go home or something but i haven't heard anything to that effect recently but I, those are the two to keep an eye i want everybody to come back i love this roster i love it as it's currently constructed i'm in love with this team i've been all over twitter talking about it i hope that everybody decides to come back but we'd well, want the 10th and the 11th man to be the ones that want to transfer them that's that's if if it has to unfold that way i do think that would be um ideal but i i would prefer everybody to come back, but we will see how things go. I they, they just asked if there has been buzz about that possibility, and I'm just putting out there what I've heard, and I have heard that there is a, a little little bit of of buzz. So let's just uh, uh, take it with a grain of salt and keep your eyes peeled on that. I believe that wraps up all of the main recruiting questions and all that. And I do. We have gone quite over on this show, but I, I think. The fans deserve it because they haven't gotten a whole lot of recruiting talk because it's been so uh, season-heavy. So uh, I don't mind going a little bit longer on this show in particular. Um, let's let's wrap it up with this. one. I like this question. Preston Floberg, he asks, starting lineup prediction for next season. Let's go all in on it. You got to make a final prediction. This is the last topic of the day. Name your starting lineup for the 2022-2023 season. Uh. Savir and Kaysen in the back court,
2: uh, probably Chris Livingston in there. Um, oh God, I don't know. I, th- I want to say Jacob Toppin probably starts. Good, then, good, good pick. And then probably whatever center Cal finds, if it's not
1: Damian Collins, it's probably what I would say. I think that's. You know what? I'm going to play devil's advocate, and I'm going Thank to you. trust. Shaden Sharp's camp at his word. Ooh. I'm going to just do it. I'm just going to do it. And if and if they end up proving us wrong, then people can pull out the torches and pitchforks and all that stuff when the time comes. But I'm gonna have. I'm gonna be optimistic. I'm gonna trust trust the process, and I'm gonna say Kentucky's starting lineup next season is. I think it's gonna be Savir Wheeler, Casein Wallace, Shaden Sharp. Jacob Toppin and insert superstar college center with Jacob Toppin or with uh, Chris Livingston, Sky Clark, and Damian Collins as your super and Lance Ware players and Lance Ware as your super bench AC player. Jay Frederick. Oh, crap. Yeah. Does he start that? Mm. See, if Shaden comes back, I actually agree
2: with that exact starting lineup you had where Jacob is the four. And then I
1: honestly I think kind of no matter what happens I I think CJ is probably your super your Davion. i think he's mint, your so. six man I do I die one hundred percent agree I think it's six man CJ Frederick and then from there I think it's kind of that that super rotation of Chris Livingston getting a lot of minutes Sky Clark getting a lot of minutes, um, Damien like, I'm not gonna throw that stupid platoon word out there but goodness gracious that's a lot of yeah,
2: well, they can that's why I think there will be some you know attrition in terms of. Transfers going out and it would just make too much sense not to have happen. Yeah, like it's going to happen. We're, you know, and I, you know, a, a guy like like you said, Keon Brooks, you know, no matter what he does, is the chance that he comes back
1: here, I think is probably at a 50 50 And he's, you know, he's good. If he so. comes back, then I think he's penciled in as at four, too. And I love, I love right. that team. I love that possibility of it unfolding. Yeah. I'm just thinking realistically here how things could, could actually unfold because there's a lot of pieces and a lot of moving parts. So, I mean, realistically, I'm not expecting them to have
2: Keon or Shaden on the team next year, but obviously that is my own opinion and, you know, eight months out, but that's why I'm, I'm all in on the, uh, the Jacob Toppin Lance or, uh, Chris Livingston little, uh, wing wing line up there. I kind of like that.
1: Yeah, I think that would be, uh, quite interesting. Well, Zach, uh, it has been uh, an hour and a half of fun. It's been uh, quite a time. We haven't done uh, a show this long in quite some time. So thank you for joining us this long and uh, breaking the ins and outs of recruitment. It's been a, a ton of fun. I uh, really appreciate all the questions that we've gotten on the, um, you know, buzz and who's, go, you know, leaning where and all those sorts of things. It's been a lot of fun. I uh, thoroughly enjoyed doing, this so i appreciate all of our listeners tuning in i appreciate you zach for doing this Uh, let's wrap up with uh, one final message from our friends at prize picks the nba season is well underway and there isn't a better way zach to enjoy watching your favorite former wildcats play than by playing daily fantasy with our friends at prize picks prize picks is the simplest form of real money daily fantasy sports in just pits you against the numbers. Whether you're a fantasy sports nut or a casual basketball fan looking to add some excitement to the games, prize picks is the perfect game for you. You simply select two to five players and predict if they will go over or under their projection. Prize picks gives you the chance to win 10 times your money for getting four or five predictions correct. You can have picks across sports as well. College basketball season's underway. You can actually bet on the current Kentucky players as the games are going on. So if you're interested in that, by all means, uh, go on and do that. Download the Prize Picks app or visit prizefix.com and sign up using promo code PILGRIM. That's P I L G R I M to get an instant 100% bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Don't forget that's the Prize Picks app or prizefix.com using promo code PILGRIM to claim your bonus today and take your viewing of your favorite former Kentucky stars to the next level. Zach Gagan.
2: Can you bet on? which quarter Anthony Davis injures his ankle.
1: No, that is uh, no, you can't do that.
2: You could probably do that every single game though.
1: It's once, it's once a game at this point, but this is a very pro Kentucky BBNBA NBA uh, podcast. And we root how for many help. Times,
2: how many times can you bet on how many times Tyrese Maxey makes Ben Simmons turn off the TV?
1: Oh, that, that would be a lot of fun. I bet that is well, I, I don't think Ben Simmons has a team on once. in the first, in the first yeah, place. Watching that team. Yeah. yeah. you're right. <laughs> He, he don't care about anything going on with that organization, but uh, a lot of fun here, Zach. I've I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Thank you so much for uh, uh, joining us. Let us, let the fans know where they can find your work.
2: As always, they can find me on Twitter at Z Gagan KSR. That is G E O G H E G A N to spell Gagan, the triple G.
1: And, uh, you can find me on Twitter as well, at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at JPilgrim at KentuckySportsRadio.com. With that, we'll be back next time. I guess we'll do a preview of the South Carolina game either late tonight or early tomorrow morning to a preview that game and then another post game. So it's going to be rapid fire of sources. Say thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been a lot of fun. See you next time.